This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast. I am your host, Sam Carroll, and today, a little bit of a depleted crew, I'm joined by Paul Gorst and Keeve O'Neill. Very sadly, it's our first ever Blood Red podcast without the very own James Pierce. Yes, yeah. How are we feeling? Sad. I'm just, I'm just looking, looking to my left where he, he would normally sit, and there's no one there. I'm a bit like, mm. what, what would like, what, what would like your breakup song for James be? If we could just sit here and listen to a sad song, something by like James Blunt or something. Keep it, keep it. Is that because his name's James? <laughs> it wasn't, but that, that actually makes makes sense. Kiva, you missing James? Yeah, I'm a bit hungover still from his leaving. To be honest, <laughs> it was a big night. It was a Friday big, night. Big, it was a big a night. Special night for. I think anyone who follows James on Twitter could probably tell that by the fact he was just posting pictures of random rosary. Just emojis all the time. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah it, was a, it was a rough Saturday. Uh, we'll get straight into it though today. Uh, Paul reports this week breaking that Jürgen Klopp is stalling on a new contract, I think designed to make people a little bit worried. You're here to tell us that's not the case, hopefully. Yeah, it was interesting stories uh, yesterday. I was in the office yesterday and there was a report from the Sunday Mirror, I think it was, and they were claiming that Anfield insiders are getting a bit bit nervy and a bit unsettled, the fact that there's no, uh, seemingly no no contract signing on the horizon for Klopp. But um, I don't, I, I wouldn't have thought that would be the case. Um, I think the club are quite relaxed about the situation. They'd love them to sign a new deal. And I think Tom Werner said said as much himself to, to James Pearce last month, just before the Champions League final. Um and obviously, he's he's only gone and won that Champions League final, so he strengthened his hand even further. And um, FSG would, would like him to sign and, and stay beyond the, the twenty twenty two, but at the moment it, it's in his court. And I think, I think if if he made it clear that he would sign it, I think they'd have it drawn up and, and sent across to him, you know, within hours from the from the Boston boardroom. So um, I'm surprised that, that there's reports that FSG are getting a bit agitated because. I wouldn't have thought that'd be the case, and then Klopp's agents himself didn't he come out in in the Welt, is it, in in Germany over the weekend saying that um, Liverpool do in fact want him to extend his contract, and uh, Klopp still harbours an ambition to maybe one day manage at Germany, but for now he's uh, he's more than happy at Liverpool. He's not going to be getting uh, his contract bought out by anyone because they quite simply couldn't afford it for, for how much Klopp's known and loved at Liverpool. So. Um, it, it was an interesting report, but I, I think um, at the moment it seems to be that uh, everyone's relaxed about the situation and it wouldn't take much for Klopp to give the green light and, and new, a new deal to be signed. Kiva, from, from where Liverpool were when, when Jürgen Klopp kind of first replaced Brendan Rodgers, can, can you even put into words the kind of transformation and the effect he's had on, on this football club? It's been unbelievable really, hasn't it? And rightly so, you know, there's talk of new contracts because he totally deserves one and I'd be happy for him to stay forever, to be honest. Forever? Just, forever. Just Jürgen Klopp. Forever. Lifetime contract. Lifetime. Yeah, would, would you let just him pen him, that? Yeah. Alan Pardew style, eight-year? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> eight, get him on an eight-year contract. <laughs> um, but no, like obviously, you know, it's culminated in winning the Champions League, which is, you know, all of our dreams come true and so well-deserved, so many hours, so many days, so many finals without that moment and then obviously we get it. Um, so yeah, he, he's done a fantastic job, and you know, like you say, you you can't actually put into words what he's done. He's literally transformed the club from, you know, one close to winning the Premier League in 2014, but never like we got close to winning it this year. But now we're gonna go and wasn't a sustained kind yeah, of attempt where we couldn't then, and you know, he's 
he's built a squad that just, you know, we're not in any rush or to get any other transfers in because we've got a squad right there that can go and win anything and, you know, one of the best teams in the world right now. Do you think it is a bit of a concern, Paul, though? I mean, seven years at Mainz? Mainz? Mainz. Mainz. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, seven years. This would be 2022 when, when Jürgen Klopp's cutting contract runs out seven years. Is, is that the concern maybe that this is his kind of, you know, he does seem to really appreciate a, a break and a, a breather almost. The seven, the seven year itch. Yeah. Quite possibly. Um, I mean, he took a sabbatical, didn't he, from Dortmund in, in the summer of 2015. And I think privately he might have envisioned himself having a little bit longer off than, than he, he had, what, three months and then the, the Liverpool offer come up and it was one that he felt he couldn't turn down and, he obviously met with FSG in, in New York, I think it was, and um, replaced Brendan Rodgers quite emphatically, really, because you, know, you think the Mayside derby was on the 4th of October, and by the time the, the end of the international break was up, which is mid-October, uh, he was in place and ready to take charge. So it, it was all done quite quickly. So um, maybe he, he might see himself taking a, a lengthier sabbatical uh, at some stage in his career. And maybe, as his agent said over the weekend, Mark Kosicki, Kosice, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that, but he said that... I think we need to brush up on our German we do, pronunciations, yeah, yeah. don't we? <laughs> um, he, he said that um, Klopp would love to replace uh, Yogi Lowe as the German national manager one day, so um, maybe that, that's another ambition of his. So, I mean, it, it, it could be a little worry, couldn't it, that the 2022's getting on the horizon and, and um, you know, that there's, there's no extended terms at this point but um, Liverpool fans have just got to enjoy Klopp um, in the here and now and, and enjoy all the success that he's um, already brought and, and will continue to bring It does feel like he's planning for the future though you know he brings mm. in that young 17 year old Sepp Vandenberg you know he's he's buying players for the next four seasons and after that it feels like so you know you you do sort of question whether he does want to leave Liverpool or can he be like an Arsene Wenger who just just keeps on going on, like Alex Ferguson from Manchester United. You know, one of them managers who just stays around for a long time and hopefully it can be a really successful time. I don't think there's any, you know, football can be quite disposable with managers and I just feel like, you know, what would be better than Liverpool just having Jürgen for the next 10 years? Like, why not? Forever. 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 10 years slash he's only, forever. He's only, he celebrated his 52nd birthday last month. So he's not... Did you get invited? Oh, no, I didn't. It was in Las no. Vegas. So really? I, yeah. yeah he, I, I couldn't get out for that more, one. More my scene. More my scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, he's, in terms of, uh, you know, the age of, of managers, he's got he's got years on his side, hasn't he? So he's got he's got plenty of time to fulfil any further ambitions that he wants to at Anfield and, and beyond. So um, I wouldn't be too concerned at the moment that the con- a, a contract has remained unsigned because... It, it would just take, you know, I think it would be done and dusted in a matter of hours if you get the indication that he's willing to sign it. In your heart of hearts then, do you think Klopp will be at Liverpool past 2022? Yeah, I mean, I think he even makes a good point about, obviously, the, the, the profile of players that Liverpool are looking at this summer. Sepp Vandenberg, 17-year-old defender, and obviously reports today, Harvey Elliott, who's, who's only 16. Um, so the, I think the club are planning for the long term, and, and obviously that's all driven by Klopp and, and you know, he's the, the one the one who gives the go-ahead for the for the transfers and so on. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be quietly confident of him staying beyond the next three years. Kiva, do you echo? Excuse the pun. Do I echo that? Do you echo yeah. what Paul says? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you do think that seven-year thing might be just the way he likes to 
conduct, you know, his, his managerial career. But yeah, I'd like to see him round for much longer than that. And I think, you know, we why let a good thing go away? We're in a good we're in a good moment now. I'll just keep going forward. I don't think we need to think too far ahead, you know. I think an interesting thing as well is um, if you look at the outwardly the way Klopp portrays himself as, you know, he's got this caricature of him, hasn't he? He's always laughing, he's giving the bear hugs and he always seems to be quite relaxed. Even when the cameras are off and you see him around Melwood and stuff, he, he's exactly how he appears on camera. It's not an act, it's all very much quite relaxed, quite chilled out, um, affable and charismatic with someone like Pep Guardiola who won every trophy in England last season and still seems to be watching every match as if he's getting beat 4-0. He, he seems to take an awful lot out of Guardiola, whereas it doesn't seem to have the same effect and impact on Klopp, which means that, to me, he would be kind of mentally not as drained um, after a lengthy stint managing a club the size of Liverpool. So I think that, that might play a big part in it as well. And someone you've just mentioned there, Paul, Harvey Elliott today, a 16-year-old from Fulham, I think the youngest Premier League player of all time. Kiva, you, you've wrote a little bit about him today. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about Mr. Harvey and his, his fantastic haircuts? Yeah, he's got quite the interesting haircut, which is the first thing you'll notice about him. But then done a little bit of digging today and had a little look at who is he. Um, he's so obviously Fulham's youngest player to play in the Premier League, but the youngest Premier League debutante ever. I think he was 16 years and 30 days. So he's like, and he's still 16 now. He doesn't turn 17 until April. Um, but, you know, out of Fulham, it seems to be he's in that sort of Sessignon brothers, you know, that class of some good talented players there. Um, that class of 2003 that we all know just, and love. Yeah, yeah. Just bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> you, I looked at it, I was like, 2003, I'm getting old. What, what was you doing when you were 16? Not, not, not. Not a lot? Not College. being linked with Liverpool Ball. anyway. Well, I wasn't getting on the bench in the Premier League. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I was getting on the bench yeah. at Sunday League, I think. <laughs> He's, he was Fulham's youngest player in their history as well in the football, uh, the League Cup, yeah. I think. Um, he was 15, which is just remarkable. You don't you don't put these players on the pitch if you don't think they're going to, you know, even Fulham, you know, they, they got into the Premier League last season. They're not a bad team, but to be playing a 15-year-old kid, <laughs> just like he probably had school the next day and stuff like oh, that, which is just you. baffling. Um, I think he's a bit of a winger. <laughs> He's played most of his time on the right wing, but can be over to the left as well, which is, you know, good to see a little bit of versatility in there. And Klopp, you know, if we if Liverpool do sign him, that'll be something he loves just a player who he can put anywhere. We know what he's like with his positions. A player's not sort of destined for any one position, is he, under Klopp? Um, so, yeah, he looks to be... He's sort of Fulham's wonder kid at the minute. So um, there's been a lot of talk about clubs like Paris Saint-Germain and I think all the... Real Madrid have been linked so you know these it just like when Sepp signed and Bayern Munich sort of tried to get in there when these big huge European clubs are after these players if Liverpool can you know nab this one nail it down then you know it's again building for the future which is just such a positive thing Must have been an interesting conversation in school wasn't it like what, what did you do last night? Well, watch Collie with my mum, you. Yeah. Played left wing in the Carabao. Yeah. Come on, come on against Millwall and we won 3-1. I mean, just putting on a putting on a 15-year-old at Millwall's, you know, that, that just speaks volumes of his character. I think, Sam, you obviously went, covered an Everton game down there didn't you, earlier this year and it's 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 a tough place to go. Obviously, the, the new den has got, it's synonymous with hostility and um, that 
Millwall fan base really do get on top of you. So for Fulham to be prepared to, to play him as a 15-year-old, it's just remarkable, really. And um, as Kiva mentions, there's a couple of records of being the youngest, youngest ever Premier League player coming on against um, Wolves, was it? Um, in May, and then he played in the game against Newcastle. Um, he's going to be some talent. He's got so many years on his side before he'd even think he'd be near the first team in the Premier League and he's already made two appearances. So um, certainly one for the future and one that Liverpool uh, kind of hints at the, the the way that they're going in, in the transfer market. Um, so yeah, I think if they manage to get that one over the line, it's going to be an, another exciting addition to, to the youth ranks. And do you think either that these are the kind of, are these the kind of deals that you have to be excited about this summer as Liverpool fan because you know as, as much as people want these big name signings I don't think there's many players available out there that Liverpool would be willing to, to splash the money on anyway who could really improve this first team is it so is it a wise kind of strategy to to bulk up that youth department and, and, and get the next wave of, of talent in the ranks at Melwood yeah I mean you look at teams like Ajax who are getting completely depleted now of their their youth ranks have all come through. They were a young squad, got to the semi-finals of the Champions League, won the Dutch League. You know, we need an academy built with these young, talented stars and we don't have to then go out into the market because we'll have these players there. Um, it's such a, That's such an amazing thing, just to pick that talent from, you know, to have young players who are wanted by all these big clubs and for Liverpool to have them in the academy and you know you get the impression that these players will be having a little bit of an impact in the first team they'll probably be like I think Sepp's going to be training with the first team you know they can make the mark over pre-season as well and you know give Jürgen something to think about you know I do feel like it's been sort of made clear that Liverpool aren't going to go out and sign these big name signings for these massive amounts because they don't need to quite simply you know they've got that squad there they've got such a talented bunch of players they've got European Cup winning team so you know why would they need to it's of course as fans people be like you know we need to sign this one and that one and that's that'll always be the case but if Liverpool can get these players in these players can one day be the players that you would have been signing in a few seasons time but you've already got them now I, d- I love how Kiva's calling Van den Berg Sep, by the way. I-, I love that. Just just Sep. Just Sep. Yeah. First name terms. Just, just first name terms. Yeah. Me, yeah. Do you think you'd get on, you and Sep? Yeah. Yeah. He's a big lad. You- he's, taller he's taller than, than Jürgen. He's taller than Jürgen. T- if he's taller than Jürgen, he's taller than me, yeah. Did you say, like six in, or four yeah, or something. In the video, five. he like hugged Jürgen and he was just like, bit, I was like, Jürgen's huge. Yes, yeah. How is. That'd be, that'd how be is some. Sep bigger than Jürgen? Could be a spine of the theme, that Paul. Klopp. What was Klopp a forward? He was, he was one of those like old 90s styles where they played up front and at the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the on-doubling style. <laughs> Obviously as well today and over the weekend Liverpool returned to training. Uh, and two stars towards the end of that Champions League run, Paul. Mm. Divock Origi, Jadon Shaqiri. Yep. Obviously Divock got his goal in Madrid. What does the future hold? I mean, you know, someone like Shaqiri who... You know, I think his his big contributions towards the end of the season was the free kick against Newcastle, wasn't it? You know, to, to keep Liverpool in the hunt for the title. You know, the semi-final at Anfield against Barcelona. Origi, you know, again, Barcelona, Tottenham. But neither of them, first-team regulars, both been, you know, tentatively yeah. linked yeah. with moves elsewhere. It's quite a strange scenario, really. And, and I mean, you know, testament to how strong Liverpool's squad is. But what what do you see this next season holding for the, for the pair of them? Well, I think... Their arrival 
it was quite timely for Liverpool this week because um, they didn't have any strikers. Um, they got Rian Brewster, who's obviously yet to make a, a fair senior appearance. So they were heading into the preseason schedule without a striker. So obviously Origi's come back and he gives them a, a little bit more down down the centre. And uh, Shakiri, you can play in a number of positions, can't he? But I think um, I think long term it's it's interesting for Origi because his contract's up next summer, but the club aren't in any rush to offload them this summer. They think if they can get another season out of him. Um, that'll be more beneficial to them rather than looking to sell him this summer because he'd need replacing. Um, a little, little bit of the same way they did with Emre Chan. Um, the issue, the difference between those players is Origi, his situation centres around game time and how much he's going to play. Obviously, with Liverpool's front three being as as good as it is, you know, arguably the best in Europe. Um, whereas Emre Chan's was more financially motivated shall we say with, with Juventus offering them um, uh, um, an incredible amount of money to go and play for them so I think Liverpool are quite relaxed about the situation they've got until January before Origi can speak to another club about a potential new deal um, so Liverpool are basically just going to offer him um, the, the game time that hopefully we'll see him extend the new contract uh, or sign a new contract between um, now and, and the new year and Shaqiri uh it was an interesting one for him because he was wasn't featuring much, was he? But as you mentioned, he did come on come on against Newcastle and uh, turned in an excellent performance against Barcelona in that semi final, which uh, set up Juan Alden for the header, didn't he? So I think uh, I think they both got very big parts to play next summer, and it'll be a um, squad game next season. The pool are going to be involved in so many competitions that they'll have serious designs on winning. Obviously, the FIFA World Club World Cup in December in Qatar. So the pool will need everyone on board, and and those two will be. Um, you might imagine if Liverpool's first eleven is what it is, then there may be um, numbers twelve and thirteen. I think Origi's results last season, and you know, obviously the goals he scored. I feel like going forward this season, he'll be different to Shakiri, where Shakiri is a bit part player, and I feel like he's okay with that going forward. But I think Origi might get, you know, them goals. He might be saying, "Look, you've got to play me more because look what I've done." Where Shakiri, I think, will just be happy to go along, just like he did, you know obviously got relegated and then come to Liverpool and was, you know, featured a few times and had a good season. Origi obviously did a little bit more and I think he'll, he he should be, them goals and what he done for Liverpool, he should be probably thinking that he should be playing a lot more. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see that sort of set up next year and how he can, next season and how he can have an impact because he'll want to, clearly. And Shaqiri was sort of a of a curious case though wasn't he Paul I mean he seemingly especially at the start of the season he was doing it from the bench you know I remember that Manchester United game yeah. there was a few other examples but never really you know only really done it in, in, in fits and starts when he when he started games didn't he do you think you know there was rumours of a, of a falling out with Klopp and, and things like this wasn't there and you know I think there was a frustration that he maybe wasn't wasn't playing as much but do you agree with Kiva do you think he has to kind of accept that it, his role is going to be a little bit more bit part in, in, in the squad he's, he's came into? I think so. I, I mean, he was playing well when Liverpool, earlier in the season where Liverpool were playing that 4-2-3-1 and they were trialling Salah as a bit of a number nine. Um, I personally think that impacted a little bit on Salah and I think he's much more comfortable out on the right, which yeah. just so happens to be where Shaqiri probably best operates. So he's a little bit unlucky in that sense. But I think one thing he does have on his, on his side is he can play in a number of positions. So... Um, he played on the left in the against against Barcelona. Yeah. Um, chopped and changed with, with Sadio Mane. So I think 
I think he could even play in, at the the furthest forward in the central role, you know, as, as a number 10, if you like, if, if they play the, the two behind them. So I think, given the fact that he can play a number of positions, he's going to be uh, extremely important to Jürgen Klopp next summer, or next season, rather. Um, and Origi as well, he's another one who can play across the front. And at a time when options are a little bit stretched centrally, obviously Liverpool have got Roberto Firmino, um, and then beneath him it's Brewster and then Origi, so... Um, both players are going to be really important next season, I think. Super subs, aren't they? Mm. That 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 the moniker you're giving them for next I feel season. Feel like you know the Shakiri for me is the best substitute we have because you just you want someone with bags of energy like he's got, and when you know say it's nil nil in a game, you want someone who's going to start running at defenders. And I feel like he's he'd be mine if I was Jurgen Klopp. He'd be the first one running warming up, and I'd be like, come on, lad, you're getting on. <laughs> Go and give these a run around. Not Sep. Well, you know, <laughs> we'll see how Sep gets on. <laughs> the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And obviously Liverpool return to action this week as well in a, in a pre-season friendly. And Kiva, it's in, it's in your neck of the woods apparently. Aye, it is. Birkenhead, Prenton Bit, Park. Prenton Park. Yeah. And home of football. Home of football. football. And you're also getting to cover your first ever Liverpool game with Liverpool Echo. Yeah, very yeah. exciting. Nice for it to be, obviously, in my hometown. Bit of a... A dream come true, obviously. Yeah. Sentimental. Will, will there be a will there be a, a, a little tear in the eye on kickoff? <laughs> watching the game, be, probably be too focused. Pro- getting probably done. probably be more crying just from having to sit next to Ian for ninety <laughs> minutes. I was going to say that, but you know, <laughs> they're, they're too nice sometimes. What then, Paul? Can we can we expect from Liverpool starting eleven? Any any big names? Any new names? Young names? Sep? Sep, yeah. Sep. Um, I'd imagine Sep will get some game time. I think. Um, I think it's a bit of an issue with the goalkeeping situation at the moment because obviously Sammy Mignolet is not back yet. Uh, Allison's only just won won the Copa America, hasn't he? Uh, last night with Brazil, Keevan Keller has done his wrist. So the uh, the goalkeeping situation is tough. I mean, Ian Doyle wrote a piece over the weekend that suggested that um, Camilo Grabara was going to start um, and uh, Yaros on the bench. So a couple of couple of poles in our goal on, on Thursday. Nathaniel Klein should start. Um, left back situation there's another one but no Andy Robertson there Joe Gomez and James Milner can both play there if needed but I think youngster Anderson Arroyo might get a game there and then you've got your centre backs Matip and Gomez I think one what, I think you might see 45 minutes apiece from them for, in each half and, and our man Sepp might get a run out um, and then the, the, the midfield Milner maybe Adam Lallana um, Fabinho he uh, obviously wasn't at the Cop America, was he? So yeah. he might get a game. And then uh, your front three could be Shikari, Origi, uh, Harry Wilson, maybe. Um, there's a few options there. Ryan Kent's there. Uh, Ryan Brewster will be looking to, to make his mark. So I, I think I think there's plenty of talent there. It's, um, it's the beginning of the pre-season. They're always quite quite low-key affairs, aren't they? Um, and it's the, the first of, uh, of eight games across the next month. I mean, you say about a, a low-key affair, but... Thinking back to last year, Kiva, when Liverpool played Chester, there was a there was a lot of interest in that because Liverpool had a, a lot of new signings, can't you? You know, they had Fabinho and and, and Kate about playing, and I think people were were keen to see them to an action. Do you think this could generate a similar amount of interest in terms of people? You know, put as a lot of names Paul mentioned there, people won't be familiar with. Do you think that'll be an, an exciting aspect for people? You know, watching and, and following the coverage. Yeah, of course, everyone wants to see the new signings, and we've got one, including yourself. You know, yeah, me yeah. as well. I'll <laughs> see how you get on. Wave to anyone who waves at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think Alex Oxley Chamberlain as well. He mm. should hopefully feature, and yeah. that'll be just massive because you know, 
a Prenton Park, the Liverpool fans will pack in there and it'll he'll just be like a superstar, like they all are. But, you know, to see him and obviously he's had such a horrible injury and to come back from that, I think everyone will be, he'll be the first name everyone sort of looks to see whether he's having um, having a start or not. Um, but yeah, just be a, a, a good sort of to get a look out at the, you know, the younger players like, I mean, Wilson's 22 now. This is a big pre-season for some of these players. Brewster, we want to see what, you know, can he show us what he can do? Because we haven't seen a lot of these, you know, unless you regularly watch the under-18s and the under-23 games. You don't see these players unless they have, obviously, had prolific spells of clubs like Carrie Wilson did. Um, so, you know, it'll be a good chance to see them in the flesh, see what they can do. And, you know, just nice the club football's finally back, mm-hmm. isn't it? That feeling of just... It felt like we should have been waiting for ages, but because obviously the Champions League final was the first of June, and then it's only only really into July now, five weeks, and we're pretty much back, and it'll just bounce back into into the Premier League and so on. So I think that'll be just exciting to watch, won't it? Yeah, because I think as Kiva says, if Liverpool win in the Champions League final, the Premier League finished on May the twelfth, and obviously they return to action on July the eleventh. So yeah, it's in two months there of, of no football. Um, so good job, Liverpool, yeah. winning the Champions League final. Um, I am looking forward to seeing Oxley Chamberlain. Actually, I think he'll probably be the brightest, brightest player across Liverpool's preseason. He'll be so desperate to make up for, for that lost time that year out. Yeah, um, he only made two appearances last season. So I think um, he'll be chomping at the bit to go, and, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was straight ahead of everyone else when the, when the action gets underway over the next few weeks. When pre-season did get underway this week, uh, another man who continues to to dominate in the in the fitness stakes down at Melwood, Kiva, James Milner. I mean, how old is he? 33? 33, yeah. And he keeps... Just unreal, isn't he? He keeps himself in some shape, doesn't he? There was that video, wasn't it, of the lack... Lact- lactate lactate test and yeah. it just like and he was just like blew everyone away and was finished laps ahead of everyone and just looks you know you've seen the reaction of that lad in the coffee shop the yeah, yeah. he was like what did he say something to him like just something dead like you're unreal like how are you you know he's sort of like a timeless ageless person isn't he and he, he represents a timeless ageless person I couldn't quite get it but he represents everything Jurgen Klopp's about and he's just, I just love James Milner because literally, you know, we could see him a left back at Tramia. We could see him up front. Like he's one of them players, you literally could put him anywhere and he will give you 110% and he's just, he's just a professional and it's brilliant to have, have him in our squad, you know, especially for the younger players coming through. He's a massive example for them, you know, just to, to lead by example, really, and you know, we we have been blessed that we got him um, to Liverpool because you know going forward he's going to be so so important. Like we were speaking, I think in the last part about you know winning titles, and obviously he's got that experience there. He's already won, I think, two Premier Leagues at Man City, and you know had them experiences of big games and long seasons, and you know getting it over the line. And I think he'll be just one of the most important players in this uh, season. And Ian Doyle wrote this weekend, Paul, that you know Milner could be Liverpool's next most important signing in terms of getting him to sign a, a new contract. Is that something you'd agree with? I think so. Yeah. Um, so it, it's okay if you want to disagree with Ian. It is con- I mean, I normally do, but I don't think I do on this one. Um, <laughs> his contract's up next summer, is it? Twenty twenty. Yeah. So by then he'll be what thirty four. But I mean, he keeps himself in such great nick. I, I think he can play for another two or three years, if I'm honest. Um, 
Maybe that's what being teetotal does for you. Um, <laughs> makes you be the, the fittest. Some, 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 the, some of the three of us should definitely yeah. look into. Yeah, I mean, I think, think the, the ship's out for us, hasn't it? Given <laughs> Friday night antics. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with Dodie there. I think um, I think there's a, there's a couple of couple of players who, who might be on the cusp of, of new deals and, and players who might deserve one. I think of Joel Matip off the top of my head. I, th- I think he probably warrants one after his form the second half of last season, but... James Miller, just in terms of it, it's a relatively youthful squad, and he's by far away the most experienced member of it. So, um, as Kiva says, it is experience in, in big games and big moments is just invaluable to Liverpool. So, I think the longer they can keep him tied down, it'll only help the players who are sort of getting more miles on the clock and, and getting older and getting more experience themselves because he's just such an incredible role model to learn from. and, and uh, just have around Melbourne daily and just the, the professionalism that he brings to what, what would be every training session. Just just before we, we leave it, Paul, to, to move on to the to the final little bit, do you think Harry Wilson and, and Ryan Kent, are they, are they in the same boat this summer? Do you think they're both trying to prove themselves to, to Jürgen Klopp or, or, or other watching teams? Or do you think Wilson's got a, a marginally better chance at Anfield than, than Kent has? Yeah, I, I think they are both in the, in the same boat in terms of coming back from... Um, Productive loan spells um, at Rangers and, and Derby both uh, both had excellent campaigns by by all accounts. I didn't see too much of Kent, I must be honest, but I've seen seen a fair bit of Wilson. Um, he's obviously a Wales international as well, so you see a little bit more of him on an international duty. Eighteen goals in all competitions for the team who were narrowly beaten in the, the Championship playoff final. So he's coming into Melwood with a real point to prove, and he, I think, if he does show Klopp certain signs over the next four weeks, then. I think there is a place for him in this Liverpool squad. Um, didn't always think that was going to be the case for him. I'm, I must be honest, I did think that Liverpool would look to uh, to maybe cash in if they received a, an offer that they deem was, was a, a decent one. But no, it, it's up to him now over the next few weeks. And if he can um, continue with, with the form he showed at Derby, then I think Klopp might look at him and say, um, better the devil, you know, and, and we'll keep you as, as a squad member rather than going out and looking to spend um, 25, 30 million on another player who... Might not be, might not be as good. Um, so I think Harry Wilson's probably got more of a chance at the moment. Rangers would love to have Kent back. Um, Stephen Gerrard made no bones of that. Neither does Gary McAllister. But um, not quite sure what the situation is there. But I think they're looking for maybe around about twelve million for him. Um, I know that was the case earlier this year. Whether that that is still as it stands, uh, we're not sure. But I think um, I think it could be another loan spell for for Kent, and I think Wilson um, might take his chance this summer. Keith, would you like to see Harry's left peg at Anfield after after a season in the Championship? Yeah, I think I'm on the side where, you know, what he done for Derby and, you know, watching him in those games, you did see a bit more than the Scottish League anyway. And I don't know, just like this is a massive summer now, a massive, massive opportunity for him to, you know, show what he can do. Um, you do have that sort of question, you know, can he do it in the Premier League? But, you know, there are Premier League clubs that will be looking at him as well so you know I think it's like Shakiri and players like that having these players around the squad's not not it can't be a bad thing can it so I mean he'd be 23 next year in March and it's you know you do feel like this is sort of the the last chance to play for Liverpool and you know he could work his way and into another Premier League club or you know you you do have that little that little niggling feeling that maybe if Liverpool do lose me, could come back to haunt you in a way. I don't know. So we have spoke before about the, the buyback clause if we do sell them. But, 
you know, like you say, you, you'd be going out to get a player now. If he's worth 25 to 30, that's what we'd be paying for a player like that. So, you know, I think it's it's probably more beneficial just to keep him with, you know, probably another 50-plus game season to come. So Thursday then, Liverpool taking on Tramia. I know that we don't really know a lot about, you know, the kind of teams that both sides will put out, but Paul, score on the door. Ooh, um, I mean, it, it, the, the first pre-season friendly is always a bit more about minutes and legs, isn't it, than, than the performance, and I don't think Klopp will be... It's too, all not winning for me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I don't think Klopp will be too concerned um, about the performance on the night, but... Um, Another people out to Tramia might give might give Liverpool a go. Actually, um, I think it might just be a narrow, possibly one nil win for the for the visitors. Narrow one nil win, Kiva. I remember it was a one nil win when I think Danny Ings scored. Yeah, yeah, late right on. Yeah. Um, it's always a difficult game there. The the two times we've played, I think, was it back to back in the past couple of seasons. This, this will be the fourth summer that they've been there now. Oh, yeah, God, so that is that's a lot more than two. I'll have to brush up before <laughs> I'll have to brush up before I go on, uh, on Thursday. But yeah, they've always been quite intense games, difficult. Obviously, Tramier have had a really good, you know, they're back in League One now and, you know, they're pushing on themselves. And, you know, Liverpool as much, they are local rivals as well. And they do want to want to leave a bit on, don't they? And give, give, give a good account of themselves. So it will be, you know, an intense game, um, even though it is a friendly. But yeah, I think a solid 2-0 win for Liverpool wouldn't be uh, much to ask, would it? We'll also be hoping for a... A better time for Liverpool's goalkeeper, won't we? It was last season's yeah. Tramia game yeah. when Loris Callias got a few home truths told to him from uh, from Tramia players from and one, from the, the Tramia one fans, Tramia yeah. player. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I actually think that that was possibly the watershed moment for Callias. I don't think it, it was key ever. I think the Chester one where he kind of dropped it through his arms in on LFC TV before yeah, the game as yeah. well was quite bad, wasn't it? But I think um, I think when he was it a free kick, was it? Yeah, and he spilled yeah. it out, didn't he? And I think there was just that kind of like I think people just thought, you know what. I think Klopp kind of thought he yeah. could maybe fix him, didn't he? And uh, yeah, I think it became then, apparent then that his confidence was completely shot to bits and uh, a move was best for all concerned. But everything does happen for a reason, it seems. Keep it to finish then, where the allegiance is lying on Thursday. The Mighty Reds or the Super White Army? The Mighty Reds, of The course. Mighty Reds, that's a good answer. Well, everyone, thank you very much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it, even without the reassuring voice of James Pierce. We've been <laughs> Sam Carroll, Paul Ghost. Kiro Neil, please rate and subscribe on Acast and join the Facebook page, the Blood Red Podcast, if you enjoyed to get involved with all the latest discussion. And you'll hear from us later in the week. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.